Here we are entering week six of the NFL season, and bye weeks are officially upon us. The Saints, Falcons, Jets, and 49ers are on a bye. And coupled with all of the injuries across the league, uh, fantasy rosters are getting rough. And not only fantasy rosters, but the QB List Fantasy Football Podcast has been hit by bye weeks and injuries as well. I'm Eric Smith, editor-in-chief of QBList.com. I'll be here hosting today. Miles Nelson is on a bye. He is uh, at First Pitch Arizona with a bunch of the pitcher list people. I'm sure having a great time. So hi, Miles. I'm sure you're listening while you're out there uh, drinking a beer and watching some baseball. So uh, we're definitely jealous. But I am joined by Ryan Heath, who's a little under the weather, uh, questionable with a voice issue. But he's going to gut this one out. We need to lean on him. We're down a man. So I hope he's prepared for this workload. Um, Ryan, how are you feeling today? Yeah, I've got a bit of a throat injury, just like Joe Burrow. At least I didn't have to go to the hospital for it. But yeah, I'm just a little under the weather. My voice is starting to fail me a little bit. But hopefully I get through this podcast and we'll see how it goes. I'm willing to give it my best shot for my team. So let's see how this works out. Yeah, I guess uh, Joe Burrow, he's got the status where he gets to not talk to the media after the game when he's got a throat injury. Uh, I guess you're still working your way up there, but, um, you know, win a national championship and then maybe we'll give you the lead. (laughs) But uh, I hope everyone likes listening to me. I'll be carrying this one kind of back to my old days, whereas me and Colin Weatherwax and I was hosting and analysis. So uh, I've done it before. We'll make it through this week. Um, But as always, we're not going to be able to get to everything here. Um, make sure to check out the sit start article on qblist.com. We've got uh, staff member writing up every single game, giving you sit start advice. They're going to go a lot deeper than we do here. Um, and also keep an eye out for my rankings. They will be out on Thursday morning. And uh, yep, I'll rank all the players. And so between the two of those and this podcast, you should be all set for week six, um, which like I said, there are some tough decisions this week because our rosters are thinning out. So um, right off the top here, let's get into some of our surprising sits and starts for the week. Um, Ryan, who are two players you are surprisingly sitting in week six? Yeah, Eric. So I'm sitting Rondell Moore. I know a lot of people might be excited about him after he made a few nice plays on Sunday. And trust me, I hope Rondell Moore proves me wrong. But the snap shares between him and Christian Kirk still haven't flipped. Moore is still playing under 50% of the snaps. So I can't trust him yet in my starting lineup. Also, I'm going to be sitting Damian Harris. I'm sure we're going to get into it more later, but I'm pretty concerned about him being banged up as well as a potential committee backfield just coming out of the fold again in New England. So who who are you surprisingly sitting? Yeah, and I mean, it kind of similar to Rondale Moore. I think he's one of those players you really want to start, um, but it's just hard to pull the trigger with that snap share. Uh, one for me is Javante Williams on the Broncos. Um, he still only saw 40% of the snaps last week. Melvin Gordon saw 60. Uh, Javante's had a big play in the last few weeks, and he sees more of the passing game work, but uh, hasn't really produced much other than, than that one big play. And then, um, you know, they have a good matchup against the Raiders, but the Broncos have had a lot of good matchups this year, and uh, Williams hasn't really produced. So if I can, I'm sitting both of these Broncos running backs, really. Um, just the, the snap share is just too much until Williams takes over. Um, and then I'm also surprisingly sitting Jalen Waddle. Uh, I just, you know, after that big target share game he had, I thought we were going to be – Uh, starting him weekly, um, especially with Devontae Parker banged up, Will Fuller banged up. Uh, But it's just, he's really fallen off the last couple weeks, Waddle has. So even in a matchup against Jacksonville, I think it's going to be a lot of running. And I'm I'm really looking for other options if I can on Waddle. So um, do you disagree with either of them there? 
No, I or well, Javante Williams, I could see potentially starting just because of how thin the position is and how few options we have at running back, especially with these buys kicking in. But Waddle, I agree on. He's someone that I've been waiting for the breakout on because, as you said, he's been posting these impressive target shares for a rookie. But the Dolphins offense just isn't what we've wanted it to be so far. And yeah, against the Jaguars, probably not going to be a whole lot of throwing required. Yeah, and I think we'll get more into the Broncos running backs later. We do differ a bit on them in our rankings. So who are uh, two players you're surprisingly starting this week? Yeah, so I'm starting Chase Claypool. It's time to trust him. Juju Smith-Schuster is out for the year, and that means good things for Chase Claypool. He's finally going to see a full complement of snaps and targets, hopefully, and we can see a true second-year breakout from him. Other than that, I am also starting Miles Gaskin. I am back on the ride. As I said, we've got this matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Gaskin destroyed the entire daily fantasy slate over the weekend. Pretty much no one played him, and he put up two touchdowns on 10 receptions. So that was very cool after I told everyone to not start him. But (laughs) anyways, as it goes, we move on and we adjust. Eric, who are you starting this week? Yeah, so surprisingly, I'm starting Damian Williams. And I, I only say that because I think we were expecting maybe him to command more of a snap share. Um, his first week after uh, the injury to David Montgomery, he only saw 48% of the snaps. Khalil Herbert saw 53. So um, I wouldn't have been surprised if I was calling him a sit this week. Uh, but the encouraging part was Williams saw a 15% target share. Um, Herbert wasn't really involved in the passing game. And they play the Packers. I expect them to have to pass. So um, even with some uh, – Williams is a little banged up, but I still like starting him. And then I'm also surprisingly starting Brandon Cooks. Um, he's kind of cratered back to earth over the last few weeks. But um, his target share is still good, and his quarterback's looking better. So I, I think we'll get into him later as well. But um, I, even though a couple down weeks from Brandon Cooks, I think, think you can still put him out there as a wide receiver three. So um, we will get deeper into the sit starts later, just a little tease up the front for the for a couple of our surprising ones. We've got a lot of injuries this week to go through. So um, I'm going to go through some of these without comment just to catch you up, and then uh, we'll talk about some of these. But um, the first one, it's hard to talk about this from a fantasy perspective, but John Gruden has stepped down as head coach of the Raiders um, after emails came out of him using racist and homophobic homophobic language. Um, I, like Honestly, there are a lot of shows out there that are going to be talking about um, the more important factors of this. Um, it's kind of, for me, I'm, I'm glad he's out and we can move on. Um, there's still a lot that needs to be taken care of, but he's not with the team. So um, as far as a fantasy perspective, we are focused on the Raiders. Um, I guess the big question is, how does a team recover from something like this? I mean, to just have their coach gone just out of nowhere. Um, are you avoiding players on the Raiders or um, do you kind of think they're professionals and they'll find a way to put out a good effort this week? They are professionals. I do think that they're still going to put up the best effort they can. Um, But yeah, I don't want to super read into thinking that players' roles might change or that they might play entirely differently than they have been. Um, I mean, you're still looking at Darren Waller as a top tight end option. Uh, Hunter Renfro has had nearly a 20% target share this year. So you can look at him as a flex and we can both take turns tilting about Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards for the rest of the season, like we've been doing so far. So I don't want to get too out over my skis predicting any large changes, but we'll have to wait and find out, I guess. Yep. I would agree with that. 
Um, moving on to the Browns, uh, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and David Njoku all did not practice on Wednesday, so keep an eye on that. Obviously, you're starting uh, the Browns running backs. If one of them were to miss, that's a huge boost to the other. Um, in Cincinnati, Joe Mixon's back at practice after playing just 28% of the snaps on Sunday. Um, Joe Burrow got in a full practice, seems to be fine after his throat injury. Um, so, I mean, I think we're, you know, you're starting Mixon if he's playing, right, Ryan? I mean, are we worried about that snap share last week, or you think that's just easing him back in off an injury? I think it's just easing him back in, and it should probably continue to climb. I don't know that P. Ryan's going to entirely go away right off the bat, but Mixon looked pretty healthy last week. What did you think? You were at the game. Did he look like he had the burst? Yeah, that was the encouraging thing is that when he was on the field, even though he did go you know, kind of long distances between carries. Um, he did look good. He broke off a defender at the goal line towards the end for a touchdown, you know, just juked him out of his shoes. So I think Mixon's fine. I would not worry about this. The snap share may not be right where we want it right away, but um, I would expect at least 50%, if not more this week, as long as there are no setbacks. So um, next up, Christian McCaffrey limited in Wednesday's practice was also limited last week before being ruled out. Uh, they say he's 50-50 to play. We're playing him if he's healthy. Uh, the bigger question will be Chuba Hubbard if McCaffrey's out. Um, we'll get to that later. Um, one thing to keep an eye on with the Colts is that T.Y. Hilton has returned to practice. Um, they have a three-week window to officially activate him. That could have some ripple effects down the line um, for the rest of the receiving core. I would be skeptical, though, if this week Hilton's back and you know fully involved. So um, for the Washington football team, Antonio Gibson missed practice again. Um, he's got a shin injury. He's been playing through it. No reason to think that that's anything new. Um, same with TJ Hawkinson. Um, he missed practice with a knee injury, but he played through it on Sunday. Um, Tyreek Hill suffered an injury, but he seems to be good to go. Um, he missed practice, but they, they don't seem overly concerned with him. So um, I think a team we need to talk about here, though, is the New York Giants. Um, it feels like the whole team is hurt, and this is probably a team we're going to have to wait till Sunday to get a better idea on. But Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard were both at practice on Wednesday. Um, that's a good sign towards them playing Sunday against the Rams. Kenny Galladay missed practice and is expected to miss this week. Um, Kadarius Tony led the team in targets um, with 13 on last weekend. Uh, how do you kind of how do you handicap this this offense? Um, who do you want to start? Who do you not want to start? Or is it just too hard to tell until Sunday? It is hard to tell. The one I'd probably be most interesting in starting is Kadarius Tony, especially if Shepard and Slayton were to miss the game. It seems like they'll play, but. If Kadarius Tony can potentially, he's not going to put up 13 targets again, more than likely. But if Mike Glennon is starting, then he might just key right in on Tony like he did on Sunday. So e either way, I could see flexing Tony. He's probably in my wider, late wide receiver 30 to high 40 range. Um, but other than him, I'm not super excited about this Giants team against the Rams. Yeah, and surprisingly, they're saying Daniel Jones um, is on track to play. Uh, obviously, there's a ways to go. He had a bad concussion, but he seems to be a potential play. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with you, though. I don't think the upside with um, Slayton and Shepard coming off an injury, maybe being a little iffy to make it through the game, is high enough with uh, the quarterback situation and the defense they're playing. Um, at least Tony, well, he he did have a little minor injury, but I think he's healthier. I think he's ready to go, and he just had a big game. So I, I do think the upside's there for Tony. But uh, I don't think I would mess with Shepard or Slayton this week. And uh, Galladay does look like he's going to miss. So um, more Giants talk. Uh, Saquon Barkley did not practice with a low ankle sprain. Um, it doesn't sound like it's as bad as it could have been when we saw that injury, but uh, it's – 
there's there's no way he's playing this week. I can't imagine. So we'll get to Devontae Booker later. Um, he will be a big topic of conversation this week as far as where he ranks in our rankings. Um, Rob Gronkowski is out again. Um, so keep uh, keep looking for backups on the waiver wire to fill in for him. Um, Ryan, any interest in Cameron Braid or OJ Howard, um, whether this week or down the line? Uh, no, not at all, because I can't predict which one of them is going to get a target share, clearly. I thought it would be Brait last week. It wasn't. It was Howard. Had a couple targets headed his way. So I'm not playing either of them. There are way better tight end streaming options this week. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Um, but I would say, yeah, I think it's going to take an injury to the receiving core for these tight ends to be relevant outside of Gronk. Um, Julio Jones returned to practice Wednesday, trying to come back from a hamstring injury. Um, I, I don't think we know if he's going to play yet. Um, they play Buffalo, which is a tough matchup, um, least fancy points to opposing receivers, uh, although it is probably going to be a shootout game, so they'll have to put up some points. So um, what are you thinking about Julio Jones if he was on the field this week? Yeah, should definitely be a negative game script for Tennessee. So hopefully they'll be forced into passing. We've said this a few times this season about the Titans and it hasn't worked out the way we've wanted. So I'd be pretty wary of playing Julio. I am playing AJ Brown. I'm probably higher than higher on him than consensus this week. But with Julio, I'd really like to see him actually on the field on Sunday before I'm comfortable plugging him in. I would agree with that. We've seen too many weeks with, you know, 50% snap shares from them or decoy rolls. Uh, yeah, let's let's see Julio get a good game in there first before we go benching someone good for him. So um, Dalvin Cook, limited practice for the Vikings. Um, he was a game time inactive last weekend and the Vikings have a bye next weekend. So there's a chance they rest him. Um, I think we know, though, if, if, if Dalvin's out there, we're playing him. Um, Alexander Madison, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen all did not practice. Nothing to believe that this is super serious with them, but um, keep an eye on that for sure. Uh, any thoughts on this Vikings offense with all these injuries? Yeah, you have to just assume that they're fine because they didn't come out to the presser today, like screaming and ringing the end is near bell. Okay. But if they're all active on Sunday, then I'm fine with playing Justin Jefferson. Even Adam Thielen has been disappointing recently because he hasn't been catching touchdowns, but that will obviously go up and down over the year. So as long as they're active, you can play them. Yep. Um, Kyler Murray limited Wednesday with a shoulder injury. Um, he was playing through it week five. It kind of does uh, bring up some memories of last year where Kyler Murray was just on fire and then hurt his shoulder and it really fell off from a fantasy perspective. So um I don't know. Like, how do we know when this is serious with Murray? Are we just uh, rolling everyone out there for the Cardinals as usual until we see otherwise? Or um, are you kind of um, just getting worried here, getting flashbacks from 2020? I'm not super worried yet. If they can't put up a productive day offensively this weekend, I will be worried. I know that that's a cop-out answer and doesn't really help us out right now, <laughs> but we we have to assume that he's going to be fine. Kyler Murray is a world-class athlete. I mean, he was getting the ball to DeAndre Hopkins finally this weekend, so yeah. I'm fine with rolling the Cardinals out there. Yeah, and if anything, maybe he just scrambles less. But um, as long as he's able to throw the ball well, there's a lot of weapons on this offense he can get the ball to. Um, you know, Rondale Moore catching short passes. Um, or Chase Edmonds, um, he was limited as well with the shoulder injury. Um, only had nine touches last week. We'll, we'll get to him more, I'm sure, later in the sit-start section. Um, Sammy Watkins, hamstring injury on Monday night. Didn't practice Wednesday. Uh, we're kind of all eagerly awaiting the Rashad Bateman return. Um, it could be any – I believe it's got to be either this week or next week. 
um, anyone in this passing game other than Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown that you're like picking up off waivers or like wanting to start? Um, or are you just wait and see with this whole uh, supporting cast? I think Devin Duvernay is potentially a sneaky stash in really deep leagues, but it's really all about Rashad Bateman. Hopefully we see him this week. It sounded like he had a chance to play Monday, but didn't. So hopefully we see him in week six. I mean, Sammy Watkins has 36 targets on the year and he's inside the top 24 receivers in air yards. If Bateman can step into this role, there's actually a lot of upside here right off the bat. I think Bateman is the type of player that can command his own target share as well and take away some of this work from Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews. So if he's out there in your league, you need to go pick him up right now because this is it's pretty rare that we get a receiver this late in the year that has this type of upside. Yeah, and I think if you're stashing someone like Will Fuller, um, who's hurt, uh, it's kind of a nice switch where maybe you get him back a week earlier um, and kind of get that upside starting now as opposed to waiting two, three more weeks for Fuller. So I agree. I'd like to have Bateman on my roster. Um, Chris Carson did not practice Wednesday. Uh, Pete Carroll claims they're going to have him practice tomorrow on Thursday. Um, Let's bring him up later in the sit-start section because there's there's a question without Russell Wilson about this whole Seahawks offense. Um, Allen Robinson did not practice Wednesday with an ankle injury. Mike Williams did not practice with a knee injury. Um, they seem to be nothing out of the ordinary, but keep an eye on them. And then finally, uh, we may be getting, uh, to a Viola back. Um, he, he returns from his rib injury. They activated him. They've got three weeks to bring him back, but, um, he's hopeful to play this weekend. So, um, like, can we trust this Dolphins offense at all period? Um, especially the first week with Tua back. I mean, it is against the Jaguars, so if you're going to trust him at some point, it probably has to be this weekend, right? I'm not rolling Tua out as a streamer or anything, but I think you can be moderately intrigued by some of the skill position players like Mike Gesicki and Miles Gaskin. Yep, I would agree with that, and it's definitely a good thing long-term for this offense, so it gets a little bit more upside in here. I'm, I'm still waiting to see Will Fuller in this offense, but we may never get there. So, um, all right, that's um, almost all the injuries. I'm sure we missed a couple because there's so many, but keep an eye on that. It's going to be a lot of news up until Sunday to monitor. Um, so, yeah, let's get to Ryan's best uh, streamers of the week. We'll do quarterback, tight end, and defense here. Um, Ryan, who you got for streamers this week? Sure. So at quarterback, I have Taylor Hineke. He's playing the Chiefs. Hineke so far this season has been the QB 19 in fantasy points per game. He is top 10 in rushing attempts and top 10 in deep ball completion rate. This Chiefs defense is last in the league in just about every defensive category you can think of. There's a 55 point over under for this game. I am all in on this Washington football team offense this week, and it starts with Hineke. I think he's a great streamer. I would play him over guys like Kirk Cousins and Sam Darnold even. So if you need a quarterback play, go get Taylor Hineke. Yeah, I was setting my rankings and I moved him up to 13 and I was like, what am I doing? And I just, I couldn't move him down any farther. So I think I'm right there with you. It's a nice spot here against Kansas City and he's looked pretty competent. He's kind of like a more mobile uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick at times. He he puts points up. So um, who do you like at tight end here? Maybe a little stack for DFS, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it'll probably be kind of chalky in DFS, which That's is true. crazy, crazy to say that Taylor Henneke and Ricky Seals-Jones will be chalk in DFS this week, but entirely possible. Ricky Seals-Jones is my tight end 10 this week. He had over 90% of the snaps in the last two weeks with Logan Thomas out. He had three red zone targets last week. He didn't catch any of them. So, or well, he caught one of them, but didn't score a touchdown. So didn't exactly light up the stat sheet, but 
like I said, this game environment is incredible for Washington. And honestly, there's not a whole lot of great tight ends to play this week. So Seals Jones just kind of rose above all the other crap that was there. So how are you feeling about him? Yeah, I mean, I got him all the way up to tight end 11 this week. Again, felt insane. But I mean, when they just plug him and play him for all the snaps that Logan Thomas was seeing, might even have been more than he was seeing, honestly. Um, I mean, that's you can't beat that. I mean, I'd rather play him than Dallas Goddard, who's seeing, what, 50%, 60% of the snaps? I mean, maybe a little higher because they play a lot of two tight end sets. But um, he's just sharing so much work with Zach Ertz. I'd much rather play Ricky Seals-Jones, who's just taken over that role. And uh, they're, I, I don't know. Heineke seems like he trusts these guys. He, he'll give them the ball. So I'm right there with you. I'm playing Jones if I'm desperate at tight end and need to grab someone off waivers. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Curtis Samuel is out. Diami Brown is likely out again. There's not a whole lot of options for Henneke to throw to. Like, mm-hmm. Seals Jones is probably the number two option. It's either him or J.D. McKissick. So yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what we're working with this week. Yep, and he's a little more of a down th- downfield threat than McKissick is as well. So, um, all right, what's a defense that you like this week? Uh, maybe somebody who could, you could find on waivers and uh, get a nice week out of. Yeah, so I like the Packers at the Bears this week. The Bears are implied just 20 points, and they are second in the league with 18 sacks allowed this year, which is really bad. So if the Packers can get some sacks here on Justin Fields, if Fields has to sort of throw the ball more, as opposed to the last couple weeks where he hasn't really had to do much, there's definitely turnover potential here. I really like Green Bay. They're available in about 52% of leagues. So they might be out there in your league. And I think they're a better play defensively than most this week. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they've been, other than that disastrous first week where the whole team was bad. I mean, six points, seven points, seven points, seven points. They've been consistent. Um, A lot of, you know, a breakout week just comes from a lucky turnover for a touchdown. They're getting sacks. And um, yeah, I will be interested to see this Bears offense have to open it up this week if the Packers get a lead. So I agree. I think that's a really nice spot for the Packers. Um, And yeah, I don't know. There's some other defenses out there like the Vikings against the Panthers. Uh, even like the Raiders against the Broncos that I don't think are awful. But um, if you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, I think the Packers would be your best bet there as well. Um, so, yeah, um, before we get into the Thursday night game, uh, just a reminder, all of our sit-start recommendations are for 12-team PPR leagues. So keep that in mind. Um, if you're in a different size league or a standard scoring league or whatever, um, it's a great chance to ask us questions if you want to join PL+. Plus. Um, just go to the website, click PL Plus up top. You'll you'll find the information. But um, we have a Discord server. We answer tons of sit-start questions every week, add drop questions, all kinds of weird league types. Um, just the whole staff is in there answering questions. So if you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy the articles, um, you know, just consider supporting us, uh, joining us, and uh, just be a part of the, the talk. It's a lot of fun on game days, uh, just all week, really. So, um, yeah, join us if you can. That's PL Plus. Um, check us out on the website to, for more information. Um, so yeah, let's get into the Thursday night game, um, Tampa Bay at Philadelphia. Um, actually a pretty good game. I think Philadelphia has been pretty scrappy this year in most games. So, um, I know Tampa Bay is a juggernaut. They're probably going to win this one, but I am looking forward to watching this one, seeing how Hertz is playing from behind when they're not able to run the ball at all, which is how I would expect this to go because teams have just simply stopped running against Tampa Bay. So, um, I, I think probably one of the first players that, um, is going to be on the sit-start question for this week is Miles Sanders. Um, he, it's been bad for him lately, um, but if you look at some of the underlying numbers, they're not that awful. He's getting a lot of snaps. 
Um, that tends to translate to points eventually. I know everyone kind of thinks Kenneth Gainwell is taking his job, but it really hasn't played out like that. So when I was setting my rankings this week, I kept wanting to move Miles Sanders down, um, partially because of the Bucks, partially because of the narrative around him. But I mean, I ended up with him at running back 23, which isn't that terrible. Um, I do think you can play him if you need to. I know the results haven't been there, but um, I would hope this week, if they do not try to run the ball, they would try to get him involved in the passing game a little more. Um, and he still had, you know, a fairly consistent role, um, three, four, five targets most week. I, I hope that will go up. Um, what are your thoughts on Miles Sanders? Is is he? Are we kind of too far down on him, or are you just kind of sitting him on your bench? Yeah, I'm a little lower than you are on him. I've got him at RB27 this week. I will say that his workload has been more stable than I thought it was going to be. Other than that one week against the Cowboys where he had like three carries, like you can count on him getting some opportunities, but this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is just impossible to run on. I did say this about miles Gaskin last week, but he got it done through the air. So if anything, I think we're probably looking at a Kenny Gainwell game more than a Miles Sanders game, but I think either of them could find success through the air. But as I said, I've got Sanders at RB27. I'd rather start a lot of wide receivers over him that I think have upside. So if you need to play him, you can, but I'm not rushing to get him into my lineup. That's fair. Uh, The point about the wide receivers for sure. Um, I'll say, I mean, last week he had 75% of the snaps. He had a 15% target share. Uh, you know, it's just, it's not all bad with Sanders. So um, I would just hope they use him smartly this week and throw him the ball as opposed to running. We'll see. It's not always that easy to predict. And he did turn five targets, five catches into just six yards last week, but um, he's been a fairly consistent, you know, seven to 10 PPR points. Um, but yeah, probably not super excited to play him. Um, would you, I mean, are there, are you going to start him over any of this, maybe some of these questionable options coming up on the weekend? Um, or would you rather just roll the dice and hope that, you know, you're, your Joe Mixon's healthy or um, just go with the, you know, whoever it is. Like, are are you going to take the safety and play Miles Sanders? Are you um, just, you know, going for it and picking up someone on waivers if you have to? Yeah, I think I'd rather pick someone up off waivers than play Sanders over a Christian McCaffrey, a Joe Mixon, a Dalvin Cook, guys that we don't know whether they're going to play on Sunday just because of upside. I mean, I am fairly confident that you can find a waiver wire wide receiver on Sunday morning that can get you six or seven PPR points, which realistically isn't that much less than we can expect out of Sanders this week. So I would take the risk and hope that your guy's healthy on Sunday. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Um, Yeah. I think I'm there with you. I I would say that Sanders is someone to watch if he gets dropped in a league though. Um, He's somebody I would scoop up right away. uh, If someone panics after this week on him. So um, as far as the Eagles go, um, I mean, Devontae Smith, uh, he, I've got him at wide receiver 28 this week. Tampa Bay has given up points to passing offenses because nobody can run the ball on them. Um, so it's been pretty successful to start players against them. Uh, you know, like it's just, it's just a good spot. So um, wide receivers, I think, have scored the second most fancy points against the Buccaneers this year. So Devontae Smith, I've, I was skeptical at first on him, but um, his volume is really good. He's got 18 targets across the two last two weeks and 14 receptions. Uh, I think you can start him pretty confidently. Do you have any reservations with Devontae Smith here? Not at all. I'm excited to start Devontae Smith. I have him at wide receiver 25. You've got to play your pass catchers against the Bucs. This goes for Zach Ertz this week, too, I might add. Um, because it's possible that Dallas Goddard doesn't play. He was on the COVID-19 list. So 
Zach Ertz with a full complement of snaps is something I want. He's in my top 12 tight ends. So as I said, if you need a tight end streamer, if Seals Jones is gone, maybe look at Zach Ertz. Okay. Yeah, and last week, uh, 67% of the snaps for Goddard, um, 59% for Ertz. So he is seeing the field a lot. Um, I don't think the results have been super spectacular from Ertz. Um, Some empty targets here for sure. But again, if they're passing all day, somebody's going to catch the ball. So um, yeah, that would be an interesting decision. If Goddard's out, it makes it pretty easy. I'm not sure if I want to start either of them if Goddard's playing, but we'll see how that shakes out. Um, And then as far as Jalen Hurts, um, I do kind of wonder here. I mean, he has been, you know, as good as it gets at the, the quarterback position from a fantasy perspective. Um, he's finishing top 10 every week, um, as high as QB4, uh, pretty much 22 to 29 points. Um, I do worry a little bit, like, you know, he's a quarterback that does rely on the run a little more than others. And against a tough Tampa Bay run defense, I know it's not the same thing uh, being a quarterback, but um, I have him at QB7. Um, I think probably some people have him ranked higher. Um, what are you thinking about Hurts this week? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about him. I have him at QB8, but he's been very consistent as a fantasy producer this year. I believe he's been in the top 12 every single week. So I would feel great starting him. It's a game where a lot of points are probably going to be scored, and they're going to be looking to pass on every play. And ultimately, that probably does translate into more runs for him just not designed runs he's if he if he drops back and sees nobody open down the field he's just going to take off and we have seen he has no problem doing that so i'm feeling good about hurts okay so let's transition that to the buccaneers um because i have tom brady one spot ahead of him as qb6 um i think coming into the year uh i'm always taking the rushing quarterback every time from a season-long perspective but um, when it comes to one game and as hot as Tom Brady is right now, I've got him ranked ahead of Hertz. Um, Brady's been a QB five and four or five weeks so far. So it's just insane. Um, I mean, like we just can't sit Brady or any of these receivers in any week, no matter what the matchup is. Right. I mean, you're starting all three of uh, Godwin, Mike Evans and Antonio Brown, even though one of them tends to have a, a down week from time to time. Yeah, I agree. Fire up this whole Bucks passing game. I also have Brady one spot ahead of Hertz at QB seven. Um, what's your bet for which of these three bucks receivers is going to disappoint us this week? You're starting all of them, as you said, but if you had to guess, who's it going to be? <laughs> um, I, it feels like it's a Godwin game. He's just due. Um, I, I think we're due a, a two touchdown Godwin game. Um, I'm going to go with Antonio Brown. I, it's make, maybe it's the cop out answer because he gets the fewest snaps, but, um, I just, I find it hard to believe that Godwin's not going to break out eventually. And I always love Mike Evans, so I can't pick Mike Evans as the, as the bust. So give me Antonio Brown, but I still have him as wide receiver 18, and I would not bench him if I had him because uh, this is just a huge spot every week for him. Yeah, I played Godwin and Brown in DFS this week and was tilting my face off when Mike Evans caught that touchdown. Um, <laughs> it does feel like Godwin's due. I do feel like we've been saying that for a few weeks now, so we'll yeah. see how it goes. But yeah, I would agree if I had to pick one that might not reach expectations it would be brown but it realistically could be any of the three and evans has really come on strong there's a lot of talk this offseason about how we were drafting evans too high um you know some regression issues with touchdowns uh he's got nine ten twelve and eight targets in each the last four games he's got four touchdowns on the season now he's just he's got these boom weeks that few receivers can match so um evans is obviously an excellent start this week um, and then other than that, I mean, at running back, it's actually getting kind of simple with this backfield now. I mean, Leonard Fournette's pretty reliable, right? Like he's 
with the running back position as it is, he's a clear start every week for you, uh, for me. How, what do you think about Fournette? Yeah, happy to start Fournette. Got him at RB21. Uh, Gio Barnard did come back and get a little bit of receiving work, but Fournette is has a, pretty much a monopoly on the early downs here. I say it every week, Ronald Jones can go away. He's not a thing. Stop trying to make Ronald Jones a thing. But yeah, Fournette all the way, RB2 probably the rest of the year. Yeah, 62% of the snaps last week, um, you know, an 11% target share. He, he gets enough passing game work that he's solid. So I got him at RB18. This offense scores so many points. Um, he's always a good a good bet. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think you're pretty much always starting this Bucks D unless they're going up against like the Chiefs or someone. Um, any other thoughts on either of these teams before we move on? No, I think that just about covers it for Thursday. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I think most of the starts are pretty clear starts and most of the sits are pretty clear sits. So. Um, let's get on to the running back position. Um, we are going to start off with some of the most added running backs and where we rank them and just kind of our thoughts. So I, I tried to keep this to the running backs that were available in most leagues that, you know, you just picked up and um, they're kind of new. So um, some of the most added were Devonte Booker replacing Saquon Barkley, Daryl Dar- Williams replacing Clyde Edwards Hilaire, um, Jarek McKinnon also for Kansas City and Khalil Herbert for the Bears. Um, how do you have these four ranked and then just any kind of big takeaways, anyone you're really high or low on um, out of these newly rostered running backs? Yeah. So I have Daryl Williams at RB 17. I have Booker at RB 20 and then big gap. I have Khalil Herbert at RB 39 and I have Jarek McKinnon outside my top 50. So overall I'm feeling pretty good about both Williams and Booker. They both dominated the snap shares after the res- their respective starters were injured. Uh, Khalil Herbert. I'm not sure if I totally believe it. Most of his usage came during the second half when the bears kind of had the game in control. Um, but it's possible, as you said, that there's more of a split on early downs between him and Williams. Uh, and for McKinnon, I can't do Jarek McKinnon again in 2021 i'm sorry i can't do it what, what about you are you in on Jarek mckinnon no i've never been in Jarek mckinnon so um yeah it's, it's paid off for the last three years so i'm gonna stick with that one so um we're pretty much the same on all of these um i have uh daryl williams rb 21 Devonte booker rb 24 um williams is only ahead because the matchup against washington's a lot better than booker against the rams um, and I have McKinnon like 52. So I agree with you there. Um, I, I think the biggest difference for me is Khalil Herbert. I've got him RB 26. Um, I know I, I do understand the concerns um, and he didn't get much passing game work. So uh, I, I do see where you're coming from, but running back position is tough right now. They're going against a Packers defense. that isn't great against the run. He looked good last week, 18 for 75. And like I said, he, he saw more snaps than uh, Damian Williams, even if that was some game script, like that's uh, still pretty impressive that they gave him that much work in his first game. So, you know, RB 26, that's not super high, but I've got him ahead of like Alex Collins playing the Steelers. I just hate that matchup. So if the Bears can just hang around a little bit, I think he's going to get a lot of work and uh, maybe I can get him involved in the passing game a little bit too. But um, who are some players that you have ahead of Herbert that you would play instead of him that are maybe a little borderline or someone who might be uh, on your bench or you just picked up? Yeah, I would play someone like J.D. McKissick or Tony Pollard ahead of Herbert. I just think there's more upside there. McKissick in the passing game and Pollard in the running game. I don't think that the game script for this Cowboys-Patriots game is going to be particularly challenging for the Cowboys. So Pollard's probably going to see double-digit rushes and a few targets. And 
that's more that's more than I'm comfortable projecting Herbert for. Hey, last time you said the the Pats were going to get blown out, they hung in there against the, the Tampa Bay. So uh, may, hey, maybe they'll put up a fight. Hey, they're at home against the Cowboys. Um, maybe you're selling your team short, but no, I, I agree that is a good matchup for Pollard. I have him two spots behind Herbert, so it's in the ballpark. Um, but I don't know. I just he's young. He's got fresh legs. I'd, I'd give him a shot if you're desperate as your RB two or flex. Um, but definitely some concerns. We need to see how that role turns out. So um, I, I will say I'm a little surprised. I am not more skeptical on Daryl Williams, but I think it mainly just comes from this matchup against Washington this week. And like just this Chiefs offense is struggling, uh, at least relatively speaking. And they, we've kind of seen them have to go to their secondary options more. I mean, Clyde Edwards Lair was cranking out 100 yard games. Nicole Hardman had 12 targets last week. Like if they keep struggling a little bit, it seems to go to the secondary players. And I think Daryl Williams could see a nice little workload. So he was already working into the snap share when CEH was around anyway. And I would expect a pretty decent week here. Um, like I've got Damian Williams and Zach Moss ahead of him, but um, I've got Daryl Williams ahead of Damian Harris. So um, I obviously have him ranked pretty high this week. Yeah, I have Damian Harris below, way below all the guys you just mentioned, but I'd yeah. agree. I think he's in that tier of like Zach Moss, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt type of play. Okay, we'll get more to Damian Harris later. So um, we got a pretty big split on him there. Um, so yeah, let's get to some of the must starts. I mean, these are kind of just nitpicking here on the rankings. All these guys we're going to talk about are still starts, but uh, I did notice that you're a little low on Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor this week, um, at least compared to consensus. Um, consensus has Derrick Henry as RB2. You've got him as RB11. And then Jonathan Taylor is RB5, and you have him at RB12, uh, which is a pretty big split compared to the you know top 12 running backs. So um, what are your thoughts on Henry and Taylor? Obviously, you're still starting them, but why are you expecting a down week here? Yeah, I'm always the low man on Derrick Henry, and it never works out that well for me. <laughs> but I I do have him firmly in starting territory, so you're starting him regardless. But this matchup against the Bills has me really scared. I think the Titans are going to fall behind very quickly. The Bills are allowing just 13 fantasy points per game to the running back position. That's fourth least in the league. So I'm worried about Henry just for game script reasons, but he has shown that he can apparently command targets this year as well, which isn't something we originally thought. So he's probably going to be fine no matter what. Uh, and with Taylor, I think people got really, really excited after seeing him rip off a couple big plays on primetime the other night. But I will say as soon as he took that pass to the house, Marlon Matt came right in the game. It's been pretty frustrating. Uh, if you have Jonathan Taylor in fantasy football, watching the way the Colts will rotate him out with both Naheem Hines and Marlon Matt. So I'm not super going to jump Taylor up the ranks quite yet, but he's still an RB one. Like you're playing him, but just not an elite option for me. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's really why I was down on him coming into the season. I mean, he, <laughs> You saw on that long run. I mean, he's as talented as anyone in the league. That was never the question. It's just about his usage. And he had just 52% of the snaps last week. Naeem Hines saw 37.7. And I mean, they had a lead the whole game. You wouldn't suspect that. And then, yeah, Marlon Mack coming in for 14% of the snaps. Like, that's just – nobody wants to see that. So, um, I still have him as RB6 because of this matchup against Houston. Um, I am one spot behind consensus. But, um, yeah, you're starting him. But I do think I, – I saw – I had the same takeaway as you. Like, as good as he looked – 
that game wasn't as crazy as it could have been just because they didn't lean on him. So um, I, I'm right there with you. Um, you're starting him, but um, it'd be nice to see him unleashed. And I'd be curious, and now that their record is getting bad and the season's getting out of hand, are they going to unleash him at all? Like, it's I don't know. I'm not sure why you run him into the ground if this is a lost season. So I think if you have Taylor, um, you need some wins out of the Colts here real quick. <laughs> Put together a little win streak. <laughs> Yeah, and honestly, if the Colts get up really big early against the Texans, I'm a, I'm a little worried that they just throw Marlon Mack out there to see how he performs. Like he actually looked good the other night, I will say, coming off of that Achilles injury, which maybe makes you feel good about Cam Akers if you have him in Dynasty and you're holding him. But I, yeah, we don't really know what's going to happen with this Colts backfield, unfortunately, because Taylor does look amazing. Yeah, Mac did good. Uh, did look good. I was I was impressed. So, um, okay. As far as the um, most of the other must starts aren't worth talking about. Um, I did want to bring up. I kind of did my rankings this week, assuming McCaffrey was out because we all know that we're going to play him um, if he's if he's if he's active, he's playing. So it's more interesting to see where we rank Chuba Hubbard here um, if he is not playing. And I have him all the way up at RB fourteen if he plays. So that's a borderline must start. Um, so I just wanted to mention him because he plays a Vikings defense that's given up the 12th most points to fantasy uh, running backs this year, which isn't crazy. But I think if you look at the breakdown of games, um, it's pretty encouraging for Chuba Hubbard this week if McCaffrey's out. Uh, they gave up 127 yards to Joe Mixon. The Bengals don't run the ball that well normally. Um, let's see, Chase Edmonds and the Cardinals, they're just not a big running team. Uh, Chris Carson got 80 on them on just 12 carries. Um, they gave up 169 combined yards to the Browns running backs. Um, and then uh, both the Lions running backs chipped in for over 100. So, like, I, I think the track record has been pretty good against this Vikings defense so far. Um, I have thought Chuba Hubbard looks really good running the ball. Um, he's not the most elite pass catcher ever, but he did chip in uh, five catches last week as well. And he ran 24 times for 101 yards. So I just think if Hubbard's out there and he's the lead back, like he's borderline must start for me. Um, I think you ranked your – uh, this week, more like McCaffrey was playing. Um, what are your thoughts on Chuba Hubbard? Is RB14 too high? Yeah, I had Hubbard at 42 under the assumption that McCaffrey would play. That was maybe a poor assumption. I really would have thought he'd have better than 50-50 odds before that blurb came out this uh, today. But yeah, if McCaffrey's out, then I would put Hubbard right in like the teens for running backs. I've got him as a solid RB2 right around where I would have Josh Jacobs or Daryl Williams. 14's a little rich for my blood, but hard to argue that he's a solid start. Yeah, and I just, I mean, I he put up 18 PPR points last week with no touchdown. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet, and I, I just think a little touchdown regression, and all of a sudden you're talking about a, a RB8 for the week or whatever. So I like Hubbard a lot this week. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, move on from the must starts and just to get to the kind of solid starts this week. Um, I never thought we'd get here. We've kind of talked about it before Ryan, but is Josh Jacobs a reliable starter now? Yeah, he is. <laughs> and I agree. I also didn't think we'd get here, but both because of the lack of depth at the position, as we've talked about with the bye weeks and all the injuries and because Jacobs has been dominating the opportunities on the Raiders, I mean, Kenyon Drake has gone away. Peyton Barber is injured. As long as this is the status quo, I'm cool rolling Jacobs out as an RB2 every single week. Yeah, and he saw nearly a 70% uh, target share last week. Or sorry, a snap share last week. That'd be a great target share. Um, <laughs> but uh, like even against a tough Denver defense this week, I've got him RB17. Denver's offense is really struggling. Um, I could see Las Vegas staying in it and being able to run the ball a lot. But 
Um, those targets were really what always held Josh Jacobs back. He had a 15% target share last week. Um, we'll, we've seen two weeks in a row where he's had five targets, um, nine catches combined the last two weeks. Like that's all we ever wanted out of Jacobs. Um, I will say this is maybe the one spot with the, the new coaching staff where uh, maybe we have to wait and see a little bit. Like they just haven't been using Kenyon Drake at all, which is kind of strange, especially now that Peyton Barber's hurt. Um, so maybe a new coach gets in there and splits this up more. I don't know. But um, again, Jacobs RB 17, I'm playing him. Um, I'm playing him ahead of Fournette, Zach Moss, Damian Williams. Um, I don't know. Uh, he looks better all of a sudden and he's getting the passing game work. So we'll see how long it lasts. Maybe it's time to sell high on him. I don't know. Um, but I- I'm going to start him again. Yeah, I agree. I if you have him in like a dynasty league, I would probably sell high just because the Kenyon Drake acquisition this offseason doesn't look great, even though it didn't end up working out for the team. Seems like their intention is not to use Jacobs as a bell cow. But in seasonal leagues, I think you're pretty solid with them the rest of the year. I could be eating my words, but I've never been a Josh Jacobs defender or anything. So it's really weird for me to be doing this for Josh Jacobs and saying that I have confidence in him. So, yeah. yeah. I really liked him after his rookie year because I thought his passing game role could develop and it just never did. And I've been down ever since. So I would say from a dynasty perspective, he's been banged up throughout his entire career. So I would probably agree with you. Sell high in dynasty because um, he, he doesn't miss a ton of games, but he just always seems to be on the injury report. So um, as far as the other starts, um, we're both lower than consensus on Damian Williams. Um, this is despite the fact I said that I'm surprisingly starting him. But um, if you look at the consensus rankings, um, we are both several spots below. Um, I have him at RB20. You have him at RB23. And he's at RB17 for consensus. So um, did you rank him that way? Is there Are you down on him? Or is it just more of like you like the upside of other players ahead of him? I didn't think I was down on him. I'm a little surprised that I was that below consensus on him. I kind of thought people would get spooked with the Khalil Herbert usage. They were basically 50-50 in opportunities last week. Um, But yeah, I don't love this matchup against the Packers. As I said, the Bears are only implied 20 points. They might have to abandon the run pretty quickly. Williams is a competent pass catcher, so that's why I still have him at RB23, and I think that he can put up a usable fantasy score. But He's not someone with a ton of upside, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I'm in about the same boat. I mean, that 15% target share is what keeps him, uh, you know, at RB20 for me. Um, But I do have Zach Moss ahead of him against Tennessee. I just think it's a really good matchup. Fournette's ahead of him, Jacobs, Chase Edmonds. So I think he's kind of right outside that range of players I trust. And then there's about seven or eight players that are a little bit jumbled up. So um, I can understand it. 17, though, feels a little high to me. So. Um, I think most of the other starters at this point are pretty clear, like the obvious starters, because um, there's a real tear break once you get past that Damian Williams range. Um, it really starts getting scary with bye weeks and injuries. So uh, let's get into some of the questionable players here. And I think we need to talk more about this Broncos backfield because um, I know Javante Williams has had some really impressive runs and he's the rookie and we all want him to be good. We all want him to take over this backfield and break out on Twitter is just predicting it every week that this is his week. And uh, and the fact of the matter is like, however they shake it up each week, it's a split backfield. It's Javante Williams. It's Melvin Gordon. I can't imagine anytime super soon it being more than 60, 40 Williams. Um, maybe I'm underestimating his talent, but um, I think as long as they're chopped up like this and as long as, you know, Bridgewater um, didn't look great last week, he had the concussion. 
Uh, we, we know he has limitations. Like as long as this offense isn't firing all cylinders and this is a split backfield, I just don't know what's there. You're just hoping for a touchdown. So um, I kind of have them lower than consensus and in the flex range. Um, you do have them as back-end RB2s. Um, so I gave some of my thoughts on the reason why, but let me know where you have them ranked and like maybe I'm just too down on them. Why are you a little higher? Yeah, I have them just just outside RB2 range. I think I have them 24 and 25. Um, a lot of it is because I can bank that both of them will see low double-digit opportunities, and that's not something I can say about like all of the running backs that are below them in the rankings. Um, but this Raiders matchup is pretty soft. They've been allowing a lot of points against the run. The Broncos should be able to stay in this game. We've had issues with them falling out of it and having to – throw long bombs to Cortland Sutton and not do much else but I'm feeling okay about them this week if I was gonna have to start one of them this isn't like the worst week to do it I'll put it that way yeah that's fair and um Raiders have given up the nine points most points to the position um and I mean they've really they haven't had that tough of a schedule from a running game perspective Baltimore I mean this isn't counting Lamar it's just counting running backs uh Pittsburgh Miami um, the Chargers and then the Bears. Um, so, you know, a couple good running teams, but nothing crazy. So you can definitely get some points on them. And I will say about Williams, um, he has had a fairly consistent passing game role. It's His snaps aren't high enough quite yet for this to be um, a difference maker, but he is at least seeing three, four targets a game and getting you a little bit from that. So um, I do like Williams more. I still hope the breakout's coming. I'm just not quite there yet. Maybe it's just because I've started him all year in my home league and it's just been nothing so far. So, um, but at some point you kind of want to try some new, new players out. So I've got them uh, RB 29 and 31. You've got them 24 and 25. Um, I, I think that's the range they're in for sure though. I, I wouldn't put them much lower or higher than that. Yeah, I'd agree. I would definitely would not put them higher. They're definitely in that tier below like the Leonard Fournette's and the Damian Williams type of players. And yeah, I share your thoughts on the Javante Williams breakout that everyone's been predicting. I do feel like everyone on Twitter wants to be the one that gets to say that they predicted it the week of. I Maybe I'll just start scheduling a tweet every Sunday morning, Javante Williams breakout today incoming. And eventually I'll be right, even if it's a couple years from now. So yeah. <laughs> I'll get them going all through the off season too. Like in, <laughs> like in March, I'll be tweeting Javante yep. Williams breakout today. Yep. And I'm, and I'm the type that dra- drafts the rookies and then I, uh, I drop them by about week 10 and then they have their breakout. So I'm usually quiet by the end of the season because they're not on my roster anymore. So um, that's, that's the way the rookies can go from time to time. So um, let's move on to Damian Harris here. Um, I am probably too high on him after looking at your ranking. Um, I've got him as a back-end RB2. It's not so much that I love the matchup against Dallas. Dallas looks like a good defense, and uh, the Patriots will be playing from behind. But I do think Harris has talent, um, and he's the lead back until we see otherwise. Um, there is a bit of a chest injury here we got to figure out. But I've got him RB22. You've got him RB32. Uh, talk me out of Damian Harris so I can lower him in my rankings before Sunday. Yeah, he had a very, very bad fumble on the goal line last weekend, and he did have an injury, at least that they reported, but I'm not totally convinced that that was why he was out of the game so much in the second half. I think that Bill was rotating in Ramondre Stevenson and Brandon Bolden because he was mad about the fumble. And I mean, this is the second time we've done this with Damian Harris this year. I don't know how much longer the leash is, honestly. So their snap shares this week were pretty much 
one third, one third, one third between those three guys I just mentioned. I'm not confident in Harris at all this week. The Cowboys are more of a pass funnel. So the Patriots will probably not be running the ball a whole lot, just like against the Buccaneers. So if I can sit Damian Harris this week, I am just with the injury and the role uncertainty that I think he has now. Okay. So you're starting all of this group over him. Uh, Miles Sanders, Devontae Booker, Miles Gaskin, um, Tony Pollard. You starting all those guys over him? Yeah. And that was it, the Tony Pollard one was where I was really flipping them back and forth when I was doing my rankings. But I am honestly more confident in Tony Pollard seeing 12 opportunities this week than I am Damian Harris. And that's where my read is on the Pats backfield right now. So you you can feel free to not trust my read on it. I, I'm just a stupid Pats fan. I might not know what I'm talking about, but I am not convinced that Damian Harris is all that um, all that well liked in in Foxborough right now. See, I think I would be more worried about his health. I mean, may, I don't know. It, it's hard to sometimes get in the mind of these head coaches because every single running back here has fumbled and gotten the doghouse just this year. And we're only through five games. So outside of Brandon Bolden, maybe he's just going to be a three down back. I don't know. But um, I, I like, is it just like recency bias and whoever fumbled last is in the, the doghouse the most? I mean, it, it seems like they should be all pretty even here, but you're probably right. I mean, Harris is touchdown dependent anyway. And if he's not only going to get a third of the snaps, then we're, we're really struggling here. So I just was kind of thinking they will put up some points against the Cowboys playing from behind um, and get a couple goal line opportunities. Maybe he'll fall in the end zone, but yeah, maybe I need to drop him down below like miles Gaskin, uh, maybe in the 26, 27 range. So um, I, I think I need to adjust that. You talked me into it. So, <laughs> all right. Um, and then finally on the questionable starts, um, are we seriously trusting miles Gaskin? <laughs> Oh man, I I don't see any choice but to trust him. Like he's had very consistent involvement in the passing game, which not so much in the running game. I don't think he's broke double digit carries all season, but he's been seeing the target shares to the point where he is a back end RB2, especially in this matchup against the Jaguars. Like the Dolphins offense should be able to do something. Uh, spoiler there, another defense that I'm potentially starting as well. So I think the game script is there for him. I think he can be involved in the passing game with Tua back. The arrow is pointing up for the offense. And Malcolm Brown didn't have a single touch last week, I believe. So maybe we're finally rid of him. Fingers crossed. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, so I think what basically what happened week four, we don't know why, but week four, Gaskin only played 23% of the snaps. Maybe he was hurt. Maybe he did something in practice. You, you never are going to know on this stuff. But um, so that the worry was that that was a start of a new trend. Something changed and he was in the doghouse, whatever. Um, but he popped right back to 68% of the snaps last week, which was his highest of the season. And now when you look at it, it looks like that week four was just the outlier. I mean, he's played 68%, 60%, 53%, 51%. And then his low week four of 23%. So I think at this point, um, I agree with you. You just have to assume that was an outlier. Even if we can't explain it, it doesn't matter. Um, He has a nice passing game role. We like this matchup. Running back is tough. So I agree with you. Um, I've got him RB25. You've got him RB22. Consensus has him RB25. So um, it's not the greatest play, the prettiest play in the world. But um, in a PPR league, he's going to get you some catches most weeks. So. I think you can feel pretty comfortable with them as comfortable as you can as an RB 25 anyway. So, um, 
So, okay. Um, I think that's a lot of the, we went pretty deep on running back, but um, I always think running back is the most interesting and uh, some of the toughest decisions. So um, as far as the players that uh, you're sitting, um, you're definitely not getting in your lineups, um, which are some of them that you're interested in um, that you're keeping an eye on, whether that's stashing them ahead of time on your bench or kind of putting on your watch list and maybe making a waiver claim on. I'm interested in AJ Dillon. He's not available in your league. So someone probably drafted him and has been stashing him this whole time, but his receiving uh, ability has been being talked up in green Bay. So I think it's possible that they start integrating him into the offense on an every week basis. So I would be very interested. Definitely don't drop him now. If you've been stashing him all year. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, he he looked really good in the passing game last week. So yeah, he's um, he's a talented player. We're still waiting for an injury. Not that we want injuries to happen, but um, he is kind of developing a role anyway. So um, I would say uh, kind of similar. He's probably not on waivers in your league, but Sony Michelle, I'm keeping an eye on him. I mean, he did have 34% of the snaps last week. Um, I think Daryl Henderson left for a little bit with an injury, but that's what Daryl Henderson does. He gets hurt quite a bit. We've seen that. And this is such a good offense. And um, even this spot against the Giants, like if they get up big, I mean, I've got him ranked RB 37, but I would not be that shocked if Sonny Michelle had 15 PPR points this week and mop up duty. So uh, I just want all the pieces of this offense I can. So I'm keeping an eye on Sony Michelle. Um, I do think I would keep an eye on Ramondre Stevenson um, just in case Damian Harris is done for some reason. Um, other than that, it starts getting, it gets pretty bleak. I think, I think I've said Kenyon Drake a few weeks in a row, like we said, maybe the coaching staff actually wants to use him and he becomes a, a PPR option. But, um, outside of that, I, I don't think there's a ton. I've heard talk that maybe DJ Dallas is winning the third down role in Seattle, but, um, unless Carson's out for a long time, I don't see much. So, um, any super deep, uh, just kind of watch listers you're looking at. Not really. I think you pretty well covered it. I will plus one on Sony Michelle for sure. Uh, it he, Most of his playing time did come when Henderson missed a series or two because of injury. But as you said, Henderson gets hurt all the time. It is a great offense. Michelle has looked good in the limited work that he's had in LA. So he's someone you definitely want to stash as well. Okay, let's get to wide receiver. Um, we're looking at the most added. There were some names I left off because they were names that, I mean, you know, like Emmanuel Sanders, some players like that, that I think are pretty locked into being solid players. So um, some of the most added here, let's go through your ranks on these. Uh, Kadarius Tony, we have talked about him some up front. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown for the Lions and Nicole Hardman. I thought those were three of the interesting ones that were probably added on a lot of rosters off waivers. So um, what are you thinking about those three this week? Yeah, so Kadarius Tony, I am interested in potentially flexing him. Now that we know Kenny Galladay is likely out, I think he is startable if you are really hurting at the position. The others I'm not so into. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown, yes, the targets have to go somewhere on the Lions, but it's not all that productive of an offense. And Hawkinson hasn't really been right in the last couple of weeks. We could see him potentially getting some more target volume going forward. I know people are really down on him, especially with the knee injury, but I don't think that Amon Ross St. Brown is just going to take over this target share. We were saying the same thing about Khalif Raymond a couple of weeks ago. So <laughs> I don't know if I want to chase Lions receivers and Mecole Hardman, come on. Like, <laughs> We we do this with Mecole Hardman every single year. I honestly every if it was any other Chiefs receiver that randomly had 12 targets, we wouldn't bat an eye. I'm not batting an eye with Mecole Hardman. This stuff happens sometimes, but 
I just don't see a breakout from him this late. He's had so much opportunity. Like this has to be a blip, right? What do you think? Yeah. So it's hard for me to not pay attention to 12 targets in the chiefs offense. Um, I do agree. He's burned us plenty of times. He had an eight target week earlier in the year um, and didn't do much with it. He only got 76 yards on 12 targets this time. And I think once the offense comes around, like I said before, they're just going to the secondary options because the primary options are struggling. I don't expect that to happen, but I don't know. It's hard for me to ignore nine targets or nine receptions on the chiefs offense. So I think he's worth picking up. Um, I'm not sure if I'm running out to start him, but um, I do think, hey, maybe something changed here and they're going to start getting him involved. I know we always say that, but um, I would put him on my bench. I'm not trusting him, but I think I'm a little higher on um, Amon Ross St. Brown than you are. Um, This is two straight weeks where, uh, you know, eight targets in each game, six and seven catches, 65 and 70 yards. Like that's just wide receiver, you know, 33, 32 range. So I'm not getting like crazy here, but um, this was kind of what we were hoping for. Um, when we were drafting him late in like best ball leagues was that he profiled as like, you know, a slot receiver on this offense. We didn't like their downfield options. Um, I don't think he's surpassing Hawkinson by any means. Hawkinson's still running routes. Um, He's going to be a good player, but uh, St. Brown, I don't know. I think it's all kind of um, improving for him. I'll say, I mean, he led the team with 69% of the snaps for the wide receiver position. I would expect him to keep increasing his playing time. And like, you know, again, the, the ceiling is not high here, but I do think he's useful in deep leagues as a flex option, a bi-week fill-in. So I kind of like him as the rookie more so just because I hate the rest of the receiving core. So um, he's the main one I'm different on. And Tony, I think Tony's going to be a real boom bust rest of the season as, as in I could see him taking over and being involved all year. I could also see everyone getting healthy and him punching somebody else and getting the doghouse or getting hurt. And he's back, he's back on waivers. So um, I don't know. I could see it going either way with Tony, but his route running looked awesome last week. Yeah. I will say with Amonra, he's someone I liked as a college prospect. I thought he was a really good route runner. He was pretty productive from a young age. Um, but when he fell to the fourth round, I kind of got off of him, especially in dynasty it seemed like everybody else got onto him because they felt like, there was no one else to throw to on the Lions. So maybe that actually worked out for them. We will see going forward here. But yeah, on Tony, I agree. He's not somebody that I liked as a college prospect. He was not productive at all, really did not do much, but the film guys really loved him. So maybe the film guys get to dunk on analytics Twitter this week or next week, but we'll see how it goes with Tony. I do think the upside is there just because the target volume is there. Tony's a really explosive player. He can break off these big plays as well. But it makes me wonder if Tony looked this good in practice, why was he not playing over Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard to begin with on this Giants offense where they've had really little to no actual production out of their passing game? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I like I said, I think this shows his wide range of outcomes because um, if you told me he was going to have a you know a mini Odell Beckham breakout type season, I wouldn't be all that shocked. He looked really talented, um, but I mean, in training camp he was hurt a lot. Um, he seemed to kind of be having some you know off the field, not off the field issues, but just the coaching staff didn't love him. And I I think there's enough red flags there where there is a significantly low floor for him as well. Uh, but it's a great question. It, it's why it never made sense for them to add Galladay, to keep Shepard around, to keep Slayton around, and then to draft Tony. Um, it always felt like they had too many receivers. So I, I think as long as one of these guys is missing, um, they're going to have some value. But if they're all active and healthy, it's it's going to be tough for them to all be like comfortable starters. So we'll see. I think we're going to get another week where he gets plenty of volume, but we'll see how long that lasts. So 
Um, okay, let's get on to some of the must starts real quickly. Um, I just kind of noticed I'm lower on DJ Moore. Um, you're lower on Cooper Cup than consensus. Um, you don't have to give me a big reason, but why are you down a little bit on Cooper Cup this week? I mean, last week we really just saw some regression to the mean of what the Rams target shares look like. I don't think Cooper Cup was going to maintain a 30% target share or whatever he had for the first four weeks through the entire season. I think he's still a great play. This is a great offense. Him and Woods are both probably top 15 options going forward at the position. But I think a lot of people have gotten really attached and really anchored on Cooper Cup being a top five receiver. And I'm not all that sure that we can count on that all year. Yeah, that's fair. I still have him a wide receiver three. I just love that offense and think it's a great matchup. Consensus has him at four. You've got him at eight. So you've still got him highly ranked. And then I'm kind of the same on DJ Moore. Um, consensus has him at five. You've got him at six. I've got him at nine. So I'm four spots behind. Um, for me, it was just really the reminder last week that Sam Darnold is not all the way here. And there are going to be some weeks that he just tanks DJ Moore's value. So he's still a top 10 receiver for me this week. I expect them to have to put up some points against the Vikings. But um, yeah, there, it's not all going to be perfect for DJ Moore all year because he was on fire. I mean, he was putting up, you know, 20 plus points every week. So um, there are going to be some some bumps on the road here with Sam Darnold at quarterback for sure. Um, so yeah, let's get to some of the just kind of starting tier as opposed to must start. Um, and we've got to talk about this. Um, what do we do with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett with Geno Smith, the quarterback for the foreseeable future, um, especially this week against the Steelers, but just in general, like I know they're talented, um, but do we want to be starting those two players? If you have a good receiving core with Geno Smith throwing them the ball. All right. So I thought Geno Smith looked okay last weekend. Yeah. Like the interception wasn't really his fault. And I'll say that generally when we get a lesser quarterback or a backup quarterback entering an offense, if the weapons are good, they will generally just lock on to the first read on every play because they're lesser skilled quarterbacks. They're not going through all their reads. So for that reason, I'm higher on DK Metcalf. I think he could actually get it done just through pure volume. But with, uh, with Tyler Lockett, I think, think there's more cause for concern i've got Lockett as like a flex play this week but really it's the russell wilson deep ball to Lockett that supports a lot of his value because that's a threat on every single play and i'm not sure that that still applies with geno smith so cool with metcalf as a wide receiver too little scared of Lockett. Yeah, I'm on board with you. Um, I am pretty significantly below consensus on both of them. Um, consensus has DK at 14. I've got him at 23. Um, you've got him at 17. I do agree that DK is the preferred option here. Um, I think he's more of a touchdown threat um, as far as like a, a big body, you know, red zone threat. And um, I do think he's the better all around receiver. Um, I, I still am a little worried. I mean, I got him at wide receiver 23. And if you got a stacked receiving core, I wouldn't fault you for kind of just seeing how it plays out this week. Um, I do agree on Lockett, though. I mean, he's always a boom-bust player, so um, maybe I shouldn't read too much into this, but after blowing up the first two weeks, he was already, um, you know, 11 points or fewer in PPR leagues the last three weeks, um, high of 57 yards receiving. So it had already come down, um, and that's with Russell Wilson. So, yeah, I'm worried about Lockett. Um, he, I kind of see him now as, like, he's the guy that gets the blown coverage touchdowns, you know what I mean? Like, we're kind of banking on that, just like those plays where he's running wide open. Um, consensus has him at wide receiver 22. I've got him 27. You've got him 28, but we're 
pretty much in agreement there. I actually, I think I had him dropped even farther at first. And then eventually I was like, I do have to consider the talent here a bit. So he is a talented player. I don't think it's going to be completely miserable, but um, I, I do think we have to reset expectations here. Um, I have him ranked ahead of Allen Robinson. Um, do you have him ranked ahead of Allen Robinson? I think those are two kind of interesting uh, plays every week, pretty much going forward. <laughs> yeah. I also have him ranked ahead of Allen Robinson. I have Robinson all the way down at wide receiver 34 with Lockett at 28. As you said, I just can't with this bears offense right now. Like m- maybe it's different against green Bay because I don't think they're going to get out to a lead and they'll probably have to pass, but the bears do not want to pass the ball. And when they do, Justin Fields is just going to scramble half the time anyway. So yep. I just can't do it with the Bears pass catchers right now, Mooney included. Yeah, and I've got I've got uh, Robinson, I think, wide receiver 30. So I do have Lockett ahead of him. Okay, a couple quick hitters here. Um, I just wanted to mention, I've got Adam Thielen at wide receiver 15, 11 spots higher than consensus. I was pretty surprised when I saw that. But, I mean, I just think he's a touchdown threat. Sure, I know he's only had – five catches the last two weeks, but um, he had four touchdowns the first three weeks combined. I just expect him to be involved in the red zone. Um, And I just don't think Adam Thielen's disappearing from this offense. I kind of like this game uh, Vikings against Panthers. I think they'll put up some points here. So I just wanted to mention that I had him way above consensus. Um, I think you're pretty much in line with consensus on him though. And then um, let's get to Brandon cooks. Um, I, I, we're, we're differing on cooks here. Um, I have him more as a wide receiver three. You have him more as a wide receiver two. Um, and consensus is right in the middle. So um, what are your thoughts on Cooks? Is it just pure target volume for you? Yeah, it's the target volume. And also Davis Mills looked good last week. Like he wasn't throwing to Cooks that much, obviously. Cooks had a bit of a disappointing box score. But Mills was actually evading pressure some of the time, making some nice plays down the field. I was really surprised by what I saw out of him. And I thought I had thought before that the Patriots had a somewhat decent defense, but Mm -hmm. I am not so sure anymore. So yeah, yeah, I think Brandon cooks is a back end wide receiver too. every single week. I mean, he was on fire through the first four, obviously he's played through some difficult matchups like the Panthers in week four lit the box score on fire then. So I'm not dropping Brandon cooks. I, he might be leading the league in target share. Is that still true? But He's just been insanely productive and he's got the opportunity. So keep playing him. He's uh he's just third. Uh, D- Devonte Adams passed him up. He's at 38%. Uh, <laughs> Debo Samuel's ahead of him. That almost, almost doesn't count because they never throw the ball. So um, yeah, he's still third in the league though. And I do think this is one of those situations, even though I'm lower on him, I still like him. Um, if you look at his game log, it looks like a trend where he's trailing off the last two weeks, but that doesn't always mean it's a trend. These receivers have boom bust weeks all the time. Uh, before this week, he'd had seven or more targets and five or more receptions in every game. We can't always predict this stuff when they have a good week or a bad week, but um, it looked like this would have been a tough matchup against the Colts uh, first half of that Ravens game. And then they just gave it up in the second half. So I, I don't know what to think of that Colts defense, but that's a story for another day. Um, and then we're both above consensus on T Higgins. Um, I guess neither of us care that Jamar Chase seems to have surpassed him as a wide receiver one on that team, right? Yeah, I don't really care. I mean, T. Higgins is going to start scoring some of these touchdowns as well, and he's been second on the team in targets, so I'm not concerned about him at all. Tyler Boyd is who I would be downgrading some, and I think you agree. 
Yep, I do. And uh, I mean, Higgins saw 70% of the snaps last week, his first game back. Um, Boyd saw 82. We could see that flip-flop in his second game back from injury. And I mean, we saw Higgins uh, with a really nice catch on a huge two-point conversion they needed at the end of that game. Um, he's got a great red zone role. Um, they, they look to him in the red zone. So uh, we're both high on T. Higgins. So um, let's get to some of the questionable plays. Um, are we just sitting all wide receivers for the Jaguars until this offense gets something rolling in a positive direction? If you can, yeah. I was so mad when I saw this box score because, no, sorry, I did not watch the Jacksonville Jaguars game this weekend. <laughs> Look behind the curtain. I'm box score scouting on this one. But Jamal Agnew had the same number of targets as LaVisca Chanel and Marvin Jones did combined. Jamal Agnew is a wide receiver slash cornerback hybrid player. Yep. And I saw that and just didn't know what to do. I, I saw that. I saw those numbers, opened up Twitter, wrote them down, got really mad, and then didn't do any more work for the next 20 minutes because I had to cool off. I, I don't know what to do with these Jacksonville receivers at this point. I have both of them in like wide receiver 37, 38 range. That's even probably a little kind just because of this nice matchup, but. I don't know what to do with them. What do, what do you think? Do you have a take here? No, nah, I'm not starting him either. I keep an eye on Chenault. He supposedly played more outside with DJ Chark hurt, which could get him more downfield targets. I mean, he had a 58-yard reception, so that could be good for him. They've always used him so close to the line of scrimmage, but if that's going to take away his volume, then that's no good. So keep an eye on Chenault's role for sure. Um, it, it could. I do think he has the talent. Uh, Marvin Jones it looked like he was just a slam dunk after those first three weeks. It's fallen off. I guess all the receivers have fallen off, but um, you know, we can't start him this week. Then they've got to buy. I think if you need roster space on Marvin Jones, you really are desperate. You could probably move on. He'll have some weeks though. We, we know the deal with Marvin Jones. So, um, so yeah, let's get to, um, would you rather play a safe player? Someone like Tim Patrick, quote unquote safe. I think, I think he's pretty consistent, um, against the Raiders. It's a nice matchup. Or would you rather go for an upside player like, uh, Henry Ruggs or Robbie Anderson? I know everyone's down on Robbie Anderson, but his targets have been up the last few weeks. It just hasn't translated. So, um, what are your thoughts on those kind of range of players here? Yeah, I would go with Tim Patrick in that situation. I, Robbie Anderson, I still think he's dead. I know he's been seeing some targets, but obviously didn't work out that well for the Panthers this last week. So maybe that's going to shift back to DJ Moore pretty quickly again. And Ruggs, I have never and probably will never be a believer. Maybe I'm just emotionally too far down on Henry Ruggs because I always compare him and Brian Edwards, but yeah. I would go with the safer option in Tim Patrick. He's seeing the volume more and he's been a better producer more consistently this year. Yep, I would agree. He saw 95% of the snaps last week against the Steelers, was the wide receiver 22 on nine targets. Uh, he's probably not going to score not a lot of touchdowns, not a lot of huge plays, but um, he's a solid play. I would take these safe points with someone like Tim Patrick for sure, or any of those slot receivers, you know, like the Jacoby Myers types or the – I would go for those. Even Hunter Renfro, I'd kind of chase those types of players right now because I'm not loving these boom-bust players either. Um, all right. Um, any of the sits in this group that you particularly have your eye on? I mean, wide receivers so deep. Any of these guys could, you know, pop out of nowhere. It seems like. Yeah, it's hard to say. And we're, we're really just trying to find needles and haystacks here. Um, I would say I'm still interested in Ron Nilmore. I know I had him as a sit, but he has been getting closer to Christian Kirk in snaps. Kirk had just over 50%. Moore was at, I believe 46% this last week. 
Um, and AJ Green just absolutely disappeared. So if we can get more maybe outside taking over some of Green snaps eventually, that would be really, really nice. I don't know that it's going to happen, but he's someone that I'm still keeping on my bench. I'm not dropping Rondell Moore. There's way too much upside for him in the second half of the year to where I don't want to be the person that dropped him and missed out. Yep. And I'm going to say probably every week, but uh, Van Jefferson, I just, uh, he, he had a down week last week. I think he's really well, pretty talented and in a really good offense. And he's almost, again, he's a handcuff. If someone got hurt, I mean, he would be the top waiver priority if Cup or Woods got hurt. So he's almost a player I'd be looking if I just have a end of my bench guy right before kickoff. I don't want just stash Jefferson, see if there's an injury and then move on the next week. Cause he's a, he's a rare wide receiver handcuff in my opinion. So um, let's get to just real quick hitter on flex plays. We could talk about flex plays all day, but um, where do you draw the line at running back before you kind of just start picking every receiver above them in the flex? Um, what, what range, what number, what player, um, however you best kind of define it this week. Yeah, this week running back is 23 deep for me. And that number 23 guy is Damian Williams, just above him or Miles Gaskin, Leonard Fournette, Devontae Booker. After that, when we start getting into the Broncos running backs, Miles Sanders, Latavius Murray type of guys, that's when I'm more wanting to play the receivers pretty deep, even as far down as someone like Tim Patrick, I would probably want to play over the running backs on his team. So that's about where I draw the line. So wide receiver 36 is about equal to RB 24 for me. Yep. I think I'm in the same range. Um, wide receiver 20, Damian Williams, wide receiver 21, Daryl Williams. And it's a pretty big drop. I think to Damian Harris there at 22. Um, I do think the 22 to, you know, 28 range, the kind of Miles Sanders, Tony Pollard types, they do have value. Um, but I agree. I would be going for receivers there for sure. Um, any, uh, as far as the receivers go, uh, it, it goes pretty deep. Um, what point do you kind of just say, nah, I'm out on these receivers. Um, is it like 50? Is it 40? How, how deep does it go? I think it goes to about 43 with Cole Beasley. He's someone that just hasn't produced and Emmanuel Sanders has really overshadowed him both in target share and air yard so far this season. So I would be starting those running backs we talked about over someone like Cole Beasley or Darnell Mooney, whose team just will not do any passing volume for him. But people like Hunter Renfro, Kadarius Tony for the upside, even Christian Kirk for the upside are guys that I'm totally cool plugging into my flex. Yep, man, I'm right, right about that same range as well. So, um, all right, let's get to quarterback. Uh, it's kind of this year, there just isn't as much to talk about at quarterback, I don't think. So this can be pretty quick. There's just a lot of really good quarterbacks right now. Um, just looking down your rankings, Ryan, like where does it start to get interesting for you? Where are you surprised of a ranking? Um, when does it fall off? Just kind of big picture thoughts on the quarterback position this week. Yeah, I think I ranked Ryan Tannehill too high this week, but I also thought I ranked him too low this week. I don't know what to do with this Titans passing game. I have him at QB 16. That's right around where the drop off of guys that I'm okay starting is at. Like Tannehill, Carr, Carson Wentz, I think is a desperation streamer this week against the Texans. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of big stories. Taylor Haneke is really my only like capital T take for quarterbacks this week and sounds like he's going to be pretty consensus top 12 kind of guy. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And we talked about him up in the streamer section. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I'm right around there with you. I mean, I actually have 
Trevor Lawrence up at QB 12. Um, he's been running more recently. Uh, he's put together a few pretty solid weeks from a fantasy perspective. I, I guess one was QB 21, but he was QB nine last week. Um, and this Dolphins defense hasn't been quite as good as they have in years past. I know they've had some tough matchups, but um, they've given up the six most points to the quarterback position. So um, I, I could see Lawrence start to put this together a little bit, especially with how well they're running the ball with James Robinson and him on options. So um, I keep an eye on him. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I have Tannehill quarterback 18 and I've been relatively optimistic, but when you put up, uh, 19 and 14 points against the Jets and Jaguars, that's kind of the beginning of the end. So maybe if AJ Brown comes back and looks better than he did last week, he could jump up, but I've actually got Wentz right ahead of him at QB 17 against Houston. I thought Wentz looked pretty good last week, actually. I mean, you know, against Baltimore in their home field, uh, he did a pretty good job. I think Baker against Arizona, it's going to be a game script where he's got to put up some points. We saw him QB eight last week against the chargers, but, um, and even Sam Darnold, I'm not like completely running away from him. Um, he's got some upside with his rushing ability, but, um, yeah, I, I think there's a solid 11 that ends in burrow and then it's 12 through 18. It's kind of, um, some good and some bad with all those players. So, um, I'm definitely not gonna play Derek Carr against the Broncos in Denver, uh, the first week after this coaching mess. So, um, he's kind of the cutoff point, I think. So, um, any other thoughts before we get out of here on quarterback? No, you pretty much summed it up. I agree on Baker Mayfield. I think I'm a bit above consensus on him. I have him at QB 15 this week. I just think that game script is going to be something beneficial for him. And I mean, David Njoku made some nice plays last week. Maybe he'll start to get more involved. Maybe there's some more passing game weapons for Baker to use here. So I'm maybe optimistic on him. I wouldn't say he's a, a top streamer this week, but I would play him over Tannehill at this point, honestly. Yeah, we got him at 15 and 16. We're like eight, eight and nine spots ahead of consensus. So um, I did hear on the athletic podcast today, it was something absurd, like 20% of his yardage has come on running back screens. <laughs> but hey, that's, that still counts. So we'll, we'll take it. And I think less it's less about the opponent for Baker. I know Arizona's defenses look pretty good. It's more about the game script. So if they have to put up some points, that's when he's going to be a little better. So, all right, let's get to tight ends here. Um, again, it's kind of like quarterback. I, there's really not much need to go through all of them. It gets to a certain point where then it starts to get interesting. So um, where's that point for you and who are some surprising tight ends this week? Yeah, I have 12 tight ends that I feel good about starting this week with Hunter Henry being the tight end 12 there. And then it kind of gets interesting from like tight end 13 to 18. I've got guys like Tyler Conklin, Evan Engram, even Dan Arnold in there who saw a lot of utilization in the Jaguars last game. I believe eight targets maybe. So he's someone that I would keep an eye on and is maybe worth a claim if you're desperate at the tight end position. But really, once we get past this top tier of guys, as I said last week, you're just hoping for the touchdown. Like all these guys will give you between four and six targets and pedestrian yardage. And if they catch a touchdown, you'll be happy you started them. And if they don't, then you won't be. Yeah, Dan Arnold was one I wanted to point out um, because he's had an actual change. Like he, he got traded to a new team. Um, this isn't just like a couple hot weeks or something. And I know he only caught two passes his first week, but that was right after a trade. Um, and then he caught eight or six passes on eight targets last week for 64 yards. Uh, saw 73% of the snaps. Um, I, like I said, I'm still hopeful with Trevor Lawrence, even with that mess of a coaching staff. So I got Dan Arnold run, uh, tight end 13. Like I, I don't know. I, I think this matchup against Miami, they'll put up some points and 
Uh, I think he's there are a lot worse options out there. Um, I think right after him, I have like Tyler Conklin, Evan Ingram. That's when it starts getting pretty scary. Um, and we're both kind of out on Robert Tanyan. If you haven't dropped him yet, go ahead. Um, but I will say, I'll point out with Gesicki, um, it is a little worrisome when Tua comes back because this explosion has kind of happened since Tua got hurt. So I'll, I'm curious to see if he keeps getting, you know, seven to 12 targets a game with Tua around. But, um, hey, it's tight end. He's been good lately. I, I don't think we can uh, be too picky here, right? We got to start Gesicki if he's your best option. Yeah, I agree. He's a top 10 option, especially this week against the Jaguars. It's definitely fair to be concerned about how Tua might use him, but I think this is a pretty small sample size we had through like a game and a half or whatever it was where he was not really seeing much usage uh, with Tua under center. So I'd give him a shot. He's a talented and athletic player. The reasons I was down on him in the offseason were more to do with the signals that the team was sending than him as a player. So I still think you fire him up this week. And I've got Dalton Schultz all the way up at tight end five this week. (laughs) He's been (laughs) tight end seven or higher the last three weeks. So I am rolling with it. I hope you picked him up because he has been awesome, Um, at least for a tight end. That's always the, the catch there. So. Okay, let's move on from tight end and go with defenses. Um, what's the best defense you're sitting this week? Yeah, I'm sitting New England. I'm not sure why the New England defense is still so highly rostered. I believe they were above 70% last time I checked in Yahoo leagues. You're not starting New England, who is an underdog against Dallas. I believe Dallas is actually the worst matchup for opposing fantasy defenses so far this year. And I, they can beat you on the ground. They can beat you through the air. This isn't going to be good. They don't tend to turn the ball over. So I don't see the upside with New England here. And I think they're droppable, honestly. Like, they haven't performed all that well other than in cake matchups. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Dallas, at least according to Yahoo, is the third worst matchup. The Bills oh. and the Bucks are that. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, I would... I don't know that it has to be said, but I would not start the Ravens against the Chargers. I, I know the Ravens are good defense and a lot of people don't want to drop them, but um, I would be moving on because the Chargers are insane right now. So that would be mine. Um, available defenses you're starting. We already mentioned Green Bay against Chicago in the streamers section. Um, who else are you looking at? Yeah, I'm looking at Miami mostly because they're a home favorite. Those are the types of defenses that I like to stream personally. Um, There really weren't that many that fit the criteria this week. And I know Miami's defense has looked pretty rough, but Trevor Lawrence has been prone to turning the ball over. I know you've talked about how you're somewhat optimistic on him and think he can start to turn it around. But just playing the probabilities here, there's a decent chance for a bit of a meltdown again this week. So I don't mind Miami and the Jaguars have also been giving up a lot of sacks this year so that could definitely help the Dolphins out in the box score oh yeah for for as much as I still like Trevor Lawrence uh, I have the Dolphins my 12th ranked defense so I'm right there with you um I don't have the roster ships right in front of me um but some of the defenses I'm surprisingly high on like Colts against Texans I like that Vikings against Panthers um like I said even the Raiders against Denver I don't think is the worst play in the world Bengals against Lions I I think there's actually a few pretty solid um lowly owned at least coming into the week defenses so you should be able to find someone out there if you're stuck with even like the chargers i like their defense i don't want to play them against the ravens though i would just avoid those good offenses this week and pick up someone like uh even detroit against the bengals or the bengals against detroit i'd rather go with some of those teams this week as opposed to facing off against the juggernauts 
Yeah, I would agree. And some of those defenses you mentioned are right around 50% rostered, I believe. So I kind of left them out of my consideration set. Miami, you can almost definitely get. They were under 10% last I looked. So those are a good sort of menu of plays for you, regardless of how your league values defenses and how many they have rostered. Yeah, I I think I had to completely flip like the middle and bottom of my defensive rankings this week the, the matchups really flipped on us so um it should be an interesting week but that means there's lots of good options so all right let's uh you hey you made it it is almost uh, 90 minutes here and you made it the voice did not give out i'm proud of you thanks for sticking it out without miles uh miles said to say hi to his mom before we got out of here i saw that <laughs> on discord so um any last thoughts before we call it a day no, I'm ready for week six and i can't wait to see how angry i get on twitter this weekend <laughs> yep and i uh will be watching the bengals play the lions expecting the worst after uh they gave everything they had against the packers last week so um you'd think i'd be feeling pretty confident after that game i'm not i'm uh i i expect a battle in detroit so maybe that's just the pessimist in me but uh yep all right well thanks for listening to everyone once again make sure to check out qblist.com and the sit start episode or uh article um a lot more in there that we did not cover we'll be on reddit all day answering questions so um, i will talk to you again uh, sunday night for what we saw podcast